Good morning, Southside. If uh, you don't know who I am, I used to be lead pastor of this church. Right? I just signed my last thing as lead pastor. It's new offering envelopes. I've signed for them, so you're all good. We today want to celebrate the history of Southside here in Milton. And in various ways, I think that'll kind of show up. We are certainly beginning a new chapter, an exciting new chapter, as Andrew takes the, the leadership. But looking way back, um, Shane, whom I'm going to introduce in just a moment, was in our youth group. And then as I look around, Mike was a youth pastor for many years. John was the key pastor in Southside forever and is now our emeritus pastor. So we're going to talk a little bit about that story and the continuing story of Southside. But I do want to introduce Shane Gould. So Shane is our district superintendent, and he's going to be conducting the induction of Andrew today. Uh, but Shane's going to come up, and he's going to explain to us what a district superintendent is. Uh, in, in lay terms, he's Andrew's boss and my boss. Um, and uh, he has been in his job just for a few months. We're excited about that. And Shane was part of the youth group here. He'll probably tell you a little bit about that. But I'm going to ask him to come. Many of you are not, many of us are not longtime alliance people. So what is a district superintendent? And what does that guy do in the office down there in Burlington? So Shane, welcome to you. We're delighted to have you here and looking forward to it. So you can hook yourself up and yeah. you, you always have to be ready right in the moment. I'm so sorry, I guess. There we go. All right. Am I on? All right. It's good. Sorry, I thought Ian was gonna do this after our worship time, but this is great. Okay, that was our worship time. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, it is really exciting to be here with you, Southside. Um, it's an honor and a privilege. Uh, my name is Shane Gould, and I just really want to say thanks for the, the introduction, Ian. And just to say, um, yeah, I grew up in this church in the 80s and 90s, if you can believe that, um, as, a, as a teen and then a young adult. And uh, there's actually even a couple of familiar faces here. So uh, you're, you're just as old or older than I am, so I just want to say that. Um, but... Uh, it, it is awesome to, to be here with you today for a really special gathering and, and milestone. Um, you know, what is a district superintendent? It's a big fancy uh, title, but it's a denominational role with our denominational family of churches and that Southside Church is a part of. And so um, I just want to tell you a little bit about it before I sort of give you a quick explanation of what a district superintendent is, which uh, is the privilege I have of serving. So first of all, we're part of a denominational family of about 450 churches across Canada and literally thousands of Alliance churches all over the world that have been planted over the decades in all kinds of cultures and languages, just in an amazing movement of God over the last approximately, you know, 100 years or so. And uh, what I love about our Alliance family of churches that I get to serve in this capacity and that you, Southside, as a church family are a part of, is our threefold focus that you may be aware of. And, and first of all, as an Alliance of churches, uh, we are Christ-centered. 
You know, how many of you know that in Hebrews chapter 1 in the New Testament, it says that Jesus is the radiance. He is the radiance of God's glory, and he is the exact representation of his being as, as God come in human flesh. And that the only way to what God has for us and God's rescue for our lives is through knowing Jesus, through saving faith in Jesus. And so I just want you to know as a denominational family of churches across Canada and even the world, we're all about Jesus. We are unashamedly all about Jesus as Savior, Sanctifier. He's our healer. And he's even coming King as Jesus has promised to one day come again. And our second focus that I want you to know about here today um, is that we are an alliance of churches and congregations and communities that seek to be empowered by the Spirit of God. We want to be Spirit-empowered, recognizing that the only way to faithfully follow Jesus in the ups and downs of our lives, in the, in the midst of all of our weaknesses and failings and brokenness, is by growing a daily dependence in our personal walk with God upon the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who the Father has sent to indwell us the moment we came to faith in Jesus. And so we want to be we want to be churches who are absolutely looking to be led and empowered by God's Spirit in following Jesus. It's the only way to a transformed heart. And so we're Christ-centered, but we're also Spirit-empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here's the third thing that I want you to know about who we are as a denominational family of churches, is that we're mission-focused. We want to be absolutely mission-focused. We want to be devoted to what Jesus is the greatest commandment of Matthew 22, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul and, and all your body, but also focused through that love for God on the mission that he has called us to of Matthew 28, which may be familiar to some of you, I hope, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything he has commanded. You know, as a family of churches, we do that globally together as we have sent out and send out and support and pray and connect with uh, missionaries all over the world to, to places where people have never heard of Jesus, and we want to be all about that. But we also want to be all about that locally. It is awesome to see Southside here. Uh, when I grew up in this church, we were in a, uh, a school, Sam Sherritt School on Laurier Avenue. Anybody know where that is here in town? Some of you know where that is. And then for a while, we are on Derry Road, and now we're here on Main Street, downtown Milton. I just worked at the Byway, two, door, two stores fronts down. You're like, some of you are like, I don't know what a Byway is. It's like the precursor of the dollar store, okay? Just be here. But what I love about what I'm witnessing and coming back after a lot of years of being away from this church is what is evident to me is the missional heart of this church. And it's not about where you are geographically. It's not about a building. It's about being a people, and it's being about the mission of Jesus. And that's what I'm witnessing here. Um, as I said, I grew up here at Southside 35 years ago uh, when it was known as Milton Alliance Church, and now it's Southside. Um, it was just 35 people. And one of the things that the church did at that time and this just speaks to the missional heart, I believe, of this church over the years, is that, you know what? We don't have really a lot of resources. We don't have a ton of people. We're not focused on a building. We want to hire a youth pastor. And it's because the church sacrificially did that that I am here today 
And I hope I can pour back a little bit out of just what I have received, you know, growing up in this church. So it is just super cool to be here with you today. So I have really answered the question, you know, what, what is a district superintendent? Um, well, just quickly, our denomination family of churches is organized around six districts across the country. And Southside is a part of what we call the Central Canadian District. It's from the Highway 427, all west of Ontario, right up to Thunder Bay. We have about 70 or 80 churches uh, and new church plants that we're a part of. And it's just our vision to see a thriving, Bible-believing, uh, faithful church in every single community where there isn't one yet. And that's basically our, our passion. And it's my role to, to help give oversight, um, and serve all of these churches and this church family that we're a part of. Uh, but it's also with the help and the accountability of a district board, just like you have an elders board here at the church. And Ian has served on that board um, previously. So that's, that's what a district superintendent is. Long answer. Do you want, me, do you want to know what I do? Is that a, okay? Well, I can't fully tell you yet because I'm just learning. I'm brand new to the role as of August. Uh, previously to this, I served as the lead pastor at Burlington Alliance, now called Wellspring, in, in Burlington, where I've been but, um, for the last 12 years. But with the support of a, a district staff team that we have that's focused on, on practical means, on, on recruiting new pastors, on helping orchestrate new church plants, um, it's my job to help us and come alongside every church in their unique calling to be the body of Christ where God has put them. And that is, in most simplest terms, uh, what I've been called to do, to get behind every church in our district and to be our greatest champion and to keep calling us to the place where God wants us to be. And uh, that's why I'm so excited to be here today. So, well, You're very welcome, and we look forward to yeah. hearing lots more from you a little yeah. bit after we So. As I was saying, it's, it, is a, it is an honor to be here today. It's a joy to be here. Uh, I was just thinking back to like the formative years uh, of my life with God. And, and they all happened in this church. And it is really exciting to uh, be kind of woven back into the story that is evolving in terms of what is God is doing in this you know, next chapter here at Southside, and I just want to, you know, give God my gratitude and just say thank you for the worship this morning. And, uh, you know, in a moment, I want to just direct you to a, a familiar passage of Scripture before we have a formal moment of prayer and installing uh, Andrew and Ashton alongside him but as your, as your lead pastor. But before we do that, um, I just want to take a moment to recognize and thank your current pastor. And, and Ian, I'd love for you to come back up. I'm sorry, you're just not going to get away quite that easily. So, Ian, w would you would you would you come on up? And Annabeth, are you in the room? Is, so, your wife's upstairs. Annabeth's with the kids. Um, yeah, we just want to say thank you. I, I just want to say thank you on behalf of uh, a district family of churches. I want to say thank you as a former pastor in our in our district family of churches just down the road. I want to say thank you for um, pouring into us as a denomination um, in your district work over the last number of years, which you may or may not be aware of. Um, but we're grateful for your pastor and uh, Annabeth together. 
so thank you for serving so faithfully these past, is it 13 years? But like 13 years, something like that. Who's counting, right? Um, uh, we're grateful for your humble service. We're grateful for your example. Uh, we're grateful for your humility. And uh, we're grateful, are we not? We know you're not retired yet, but we want to thank you and honor you for all the sacrificing and the sacrificial leadership that you've demonstrated. And we just really appreciate you. And I'd just love to lead us in a brief prayer of blessing on, on Ian and Annabeth with him. Father in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for the rich provision that we receive from you every day, simply in the air we breathe and there being food on the table and shelter and all of the good things that you provide for us the people and the communities that you provide for us, all through the generosity and the goodness and the faithfulness of your hand. But we also want to take a moment to say thank you for those that you bring to serve us as your under-shepherds. And today, Lord, we just want to say thank you for Ian and Annabeth with him today. We bless them, Lord. We thank you for this season of ministry. We thank you for his uh, humility and faithfulness to you. And... Uh, Thank you, Lord, that you inspired Ian to orchestrate, uh, to bring about um, this handoff today, Lord, which we believe you've ordained. But we just thank you for his obedience and uh, his willingness, Lord, to hear you and faithfully step out in that journey of his own. And so, Lord, in the coming months, as this transition continues to take place, would you so richly bless Ian? Would you grant him a fresh filling? Would you grant him fresh peace? fresh inspiration, would you speak to him, Lord, afresh? And would, would you just show him new things, Lord, in the midst of this transition? And thank you that you always go before us. And so just, just bless our brother today. We just thank you for him in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Thank you, friend. Um, I just also want to say, you know, it's, it's not always the case when a, a pastor steps down or, or retires that there's a succession like this happening. And that is an amazing story here today uh, that is so, we're just so grateful for. And that's on account of, I think, Ian's humble leadership as your pastor, but also Andrew's faith in stepping in and uh, even believing God for a financial stretch of that as a family and taking on two pastors. So I, I think that's amazing. Well, in a few moments, I want to lead us in a, in a time of, of prayer to, as I said, officially install uh, Andrew as your new lead pastor. And someone might have just leaned over to you and just said, did he say the word install? Like, isn't that something you do with a hard drive or a dishwasher? And I just want to reassure you that, that we see you, Andrew, in a greater light than a dishwasher or a, or a hard drive. But, you know, when we're talking about installing a pastor, what we're really talking about is taking a moment together as the church and the family of God to formally recognize and bless the call to, uh, of a pastor to a local body of believers, where we take a moment to uh, consciously and prayerfully commit ourselves to be the body of Christ together. As a pastor commits themselves to that local body, but then also that, that family, that, that local body, that community, that congregation commits themselves to their, to their pastor, to their under-shepherd, to the elders alongside them out of their mutual commitment to Christ. And so that's what we're talking about today in the installation of a pastor. And from my perspective, and I remember my own moment, but these are some of the most precious and beautiful moments in a community such as this. And it's, again, one of the reasons why I'm excited to be with you today. 
But before we do that, I want to direct you to what may be a familiar passage of Scripture to some of you. So if you've got a, a Bible or you want to go to your Bible on your phone like I often do, I want to direct you to go with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 6 in the Old Testament, verses 1 through 8. It's a passage of the Old Testament. Uh, it's about the prophet Isaiah suddenly getting uh, an incredible uh, and arresting uh, vision of the glory of God, I think probably on a level that even as a prophet, he had never encountered before. And it's an account of both what he sees and what he hears and how he responds. And I just think it's a timely word for us today to remind us of three uh, foundational things that I think God wants every one of us to know and maybe a good moment of clarity for us today. And so the three things that I want to draw your attention to as we just recount Isaiah's vision that he's given in this passage is just the nature of God. The nature of who God is as laid out before us in the revelation of Scripture in this revelation that came to Isaiah. And secondly, our fundamental need is people. We have a lot of needs. I'm a needy person. I don't know about you. But there's one particular need that I have over above every other, and so do you, as the Scriptures say. And the third thing I want to draw our attention to is the call of God that is upon you and upon me as we would call upon him to, to, you know, to come into our lives, to transform us, to save us, to bring us to a place of healing, to, to bring us ultimately to himself when we could not get there on our own. But I want to invite you to follow along as I read. I'm just going to read from the New International Version this morning, but it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And here suddenly Isaiah is seeing that there is a, there's a throne that's greater than any earthly throne that, that he's ever seen. And he is seeing the Lord in a way that he has not seen before as God brings Isaiah into a, a glimpse of his presence. And this is what he says he sees in verse 2. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, he says. And then he records for us what he hears them say. And isn't it kind of a miracle in and of itself that he is able to understand what these angelic creatures around God's glorious throne are even saying? And they are saying, holy, holy Holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah, whether you realize it or not, every time you look outside the window, I don't know if they had windows then, but you're seeing the, the glory, the holiness of God. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple, Isaiah says, was filled with smoke or incense, if you will, as would have been the practice of the time. You know, during the time of Isaiah, the temple was the, the place of God's manifest presence. We know God is everywhere. He's everywhere, but there are times and moments when he will manifest his presence. He will make himself known. He will give you an awakening of heart and a perception of him that you just did not have. Have you ever had a God moment in your life where suddenly you're like, I think God is speaking to me right now? In Isaiah's Day. The place for that was the temple. It was the place of God's manifest presence, and he's seeing a temple at a whole other level. And this is what he says in response to what God is showing him in this revelatory moment in his life. I mean, he is a prophet. He is someone accustomed to hearing about God, but this is, this is, this is next level. 
And God will take you to a next level with him if you're willing to continue to follow him and look for him. But this is his response in terms of what he sees. In verse five, he says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. My eyes have seen the king, the the Lord Almighty. But he's not ruined because in the very next verse, it says, then one of the seraphim flew to me and I'm assuming at the direction of the king with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from the altar where sacrifices were being made before God. And this is the same altar, if you will, that the father laid his son upon, you know, for us. But it says, with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And on account of that moment, I mean, Isaiah has a completely different trajectory to his life and and to his eternity, really. And in verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord. He says, I heard a voice. And you know, God is a God who speaks. He speaks today in all kinds of ways. He speaks primarily through his word, but he speaks by his spirit. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through those who are seeking to serve him. He'll speak through other people under your life. But here, Isaiah says, I heard the voice, and he knew it was the Lord. And he was saying, Whom shall I send? was what this voice was asking. And who will go for us? And I said, he, and here he gives his response. He says, here I am. He says, send me. He says, send me. That's, that's the response I want. And Father, we just want to pause and just say thank you for the revelation of your word. Thank you that there was this moment that you ordained in Isaiah's life that you would utilize to become a word to us. And we just want to pray, Holy Spirit, for your leading now for a fresh word to each of our hearts and particularly to my brother Andrew as he steps forward, Lord, today to receive the calling for this chapter of his life and the chapter that is coming forward for this church. So Jesus, would you draw our attention to the things you want us to be reminded of this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, the first word, I want to frame what I want to share with you just briefly about this passage around three words, and the first word is glory. You know, I believe that God wants us to begin to see the nature of his glory. You know, historians tell us that Uzziah served as the king of Judah for 52 years. That happens to be exactly how old I am. So there, it's on the table. If some of you are wondering, he talked about being here a while and not being here for a while. I'm 52. It's out there. 52 years is a long time to uh, lead anything. 52 years, it says Uzziah was on the throne, that earthly throne. You know, I don't know about you, but longevity usually brings with it a sense of stability. And that often brings, you know, people like you and me a sense of comfort because as human beings, we typically don't like change that much. But with the death of Uzziah, a long-reigning king, suddenly, you know, stability, predictability, and maybe comfort with it, they're suddenly gone. They're gone for the, the, the tribe and nation of Judah at this point point in time. If an enemy nation wanted to exploit them in this moment, this would be that moment. You know, politically, economically, militarily, they were vulnerable as the king is passing and what's going to happen now. And sometimes churches go through a time of like that, where suddenly a pastor has needed to step down, where our circumstances have happened, and where do we go from here? That's not the case today because of the beautiful succession that is happening. But, you know, it was such a time that God gave Isaiah fresh revelation that God intended to be passed on 
of who Israel's true sovereign was and the reality that God is the one who's always in control regardless of, of the thrones on the earth you've seen. And our text says Isaiah saw the Lord. He, he was given a vision of a throne high and exalted over any other throne he had ever seen. Super fascinating. When we fast forward to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John, it says in John chapter 12, verse 41, and I invite you to look it up sometime, but that the glory that Isaiah was seeing in this moment before the coming of Jesus was actually the glory of the pre-incarnate son who'd yet not taken on human flesh. That's an incredible insight. It was the glory of Jesus that Isaiah was actually seeing, whether he realized it or not, according to the Gospel of John. But above this throne that Isaiah was being shown, he says there were seraphim. It, that word literally means burning ones. Whether they were actually you know, on fire or simply reflected the intense light of God's glory, he says that these angelic creatures, these burning ones, were calling out to one another the holiness of God. Like there's nothing else to say, God, other than you're just incredible on every level, unlike anything else, and that the whole earth is filled with your glory. And I just want to say a word to you, Andrew, that a pastor is someone who's begun to see the glorious nature of God and wants others in the help of God to do the same. That God is amazing in every sense of the word that you can come up with more than any one of us can imagine. And I want to invite you to keep taking time in your day and in your week, in your busy life of ministry, to keep beholding the glory of God and getting away to his word, getting away from your desk, getting away from even people at times as Jesus did in his own ministry. You know, in Psalm 27, David says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And he uses the same language to seek him in his temple. How many of you know that most people are known for something? You know, if someone were to come near, uh, come close to you and spend some time with you and someone else who didn't know you said, hey, tell me about Andrew or tell me about Shane. They, you could probably come up with one thing about them and getting to know them. Hey, I just, there's, yeah, there's at least a few things I could say, but there's at least one thing. And, you know, if someone were to ask, hey, tell me one thing about Shane, you know, they would say, Shane has a particular love for coffee. I actually have like a Starbucks mug collection in my office. It's about 66 mugs at this point. My wife refuses them to have them in the house anymore, so they're in my office. And, uh, and they're all f from around the world. Um, but, but I've barely been to any of those places because people have just given them to me, uh, thoughtfully reminding me of their trips to places. Uh, so, so, so thank you for blessing me with that. That's awesome. Um, but I really like my coffee, probably a little too much, and I'm known for that. Um, but David wanted his one thing, his one thing to be known for as one who was seeking after and gazing upon uh, the beauty of the presence of God. To be absolutely captivated by the amazingness of God and all of his glory and his character. That's what David wanted his one thing to be Andrew, that's what God wants your one thing to be. That's what God wants my one thing to be. I would just say, how will you? What's your one thing? If someone asked, hey, tell me one thing about you, what would be the thing that would come up in the conversation? Andrew, the more you keep the eyes of your heart fixed on Jesus and his glory, I believe the more you will have to give away as a pastor.
being captivated by God's glory will fuel your heart as a pastor. It'll keep you from running dry or running out of steam in your ministry. Keep captivated, church, by God's glory. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a greater revelation so you can become a greater conduit of God's presence in this city. The second word I want to draw your attention to, and I'm just watching my time here, is the word confession. You know, the moment Isaiah began to apprehend God's glory, you know, the perfection of God and his character, he broke out in spontaneous, blurted out confession of his sin that was out loud. And sadly, for the rest of us, written as scripture, imagine if you blurted out your confession and we just, let's write that down and let's make that part of the permanent record for all eternity. And a whole bunch of other people will be blessed. Well, sometimes actually when we make our confessions, God will use them that way. You know, as Isaiah was standing there in the presence of God, completely like overcome, it, it just made me think about a question. Have you ever been starstruck by someone famous that you might have ran into traveling or I even heard there was a movie shoot downtown Burlington a couple of years ago. <laughs> but, but when you bumped into something you, you admire or who's, who who's known, you know, maybe it was a leader in your industry that you never got to rub shoulders with, or maybe it was a, a brilliant author, musician, athlete, entertainment. I mean, who would you love to meet to have a moment with? Um, you know, Tom Brady, Tom Cruise, maybe not Tom Cruise, um, maybe Queen Elizabeth before she passed, I don't know. But, but I just want to imagine the moment you got the chance. You got that chance to have a moment with that person, whoever they might be, for you. Here's my question. What would you actually say? You got, you got five minutes, go. What, what are you actually going to say to Queen Elizabeth? How would that go down, at least on your end? You know, what are you thinking you're saying to contribute to that moment that's something meaningful, not goofy or pathetic? You know, do you think you might get flustered, nervous, be at a loss of words to come up with something meaningful or intelligent to say? You know, try to imagine that tension times a trillion for Isaiah in this moment. I've suddenly get his moment, you know, with the God of the universe who just raised the veil for him for a moment. You know, in the opening chapter of the book of Revelation, the Apostle John, he shares a similar revelation, if you'll read it, where he says Jesus' face was shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. And John says that in that moment of beholding Jesus in all his glory, which was the same glory that Isaiah was encountering, um, it says that he had a an unconscious response, literally, of falling on his face in a reaction to Jesus' glory, like you're moving your hand back quick from a hot stove. And do you know it's actually the grace of God that there's a veil between us and him now where we can't fully apprehend him because it would just be too much for us. And for Isaiah and encountering God's glory, we're not told if he stepped back or if he covered his face like the seraphim where he fell down like John, but he does say upon seeing God's glory, that he became very aware of his sin and he confessed aloud. He said, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a broken person. I do not fit with that. And he confessed it out loud in seeing the King of the Lord Almighty. And you know, it's fascinating to me that as he began to see that the truth of God's glory, he began to have a greater truth about who he is as a broken person. The more we see the truth of God, the more we find about, out the truth about our own selves and our need, our greatest need as human beings for the atoning work 
back of, of the altar, which under Jesus is the cross and his shed blood. God did not reveal himself to Isaiah to ruin him, but to bring him to a place of revelation and confession and atonement. And I would just like to say today, that's God's heart for you. He wants to keep revealing himself to you, never to bring judgment or ruination or any of those things, but to bring you and I into a place of truth that we would cry out to him for only what he can do. In the Gospels, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And someone has said that Jesus is both the light and the flame. He's the light that exposes us as we are, but he's the flame that also burns away all of our sin in terms of what he did on the cross. I realize, Andrew, that as we close here, I'm not sharing anything new with you, and I hope nothing new for this body of believers, this church, this gathering. But I just want to keep calling you to make confessing Jesus Christ and your need for him your greatest confession, the atoning work of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, not what you could do, but what he has done for us. And that leads me to the final word before Andrew comes. It says that after making this confession, Isaiah heard a voice, and that voice says, whom shall I send? And that Isaiah responded. He responded. He responded to that voice. He said, here I am. Send me. Send me. I want to be like Isaiah. When I hear God's call, I want to say, send me. You know, God's primary call on our lives is to become a fully devoted disciple of his son to confess Jesus as Lord with the help of the Holy Spirit, to choose to live according to Jesus' ways, according to the ways of the world around us, and in faith to receive God's blessing, his friendship, and the promise of eternal life. That's God's primary calling upon your life if you will respond to his voice and to his word. But there's also a secondary call and that is to serve him with our lives in whatever capacity and gifting and uniqueness that he has called you. And Andrew and Ashton, alongside with you, you have said to the Lord in hearing his voice in this call, send me. And that's what today is about. It says in Ephesians 4, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And Andrew, that is you. And is why we're here today to recognize before God together this call of God upon you for this season and this, this body, his, his body. So I'd like to invite you up right now. And a little bit later, was there an applause back there? I want to give Andrew an official charge now. Invite him before the Lord to make the commitment that I already know is in his heart. And there's going to be two charges given today. One will be to him, but after him, the second will be to this family, this congregation here today. And, and then we're going to pray all of that in, and we're going, to, uh, we're going to call Ashton up alongside Andrew. But Andrew, I just want to say we're so thankful for you. 
and that we believe ultimately God is the one who has called you to this moment and to this church to serve him for such a time as this. And so today, Andrew, I want to give you this charge from the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. By the way, the same charge that Paul gave to his protege, Timothy. And you're not so much my protege, but Ian's here. But in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge, Paul writes, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Andrew, those who God calls, God equips, God enables, and I know that you know that God goes before. Andrew is God's under-shepherd here at Southside. You're called to preach and teach the whole counsel of God, as revealed in the scriptures, that through the Holy Spirit's work in people's lives, they would come to a place of both truth but also grace. The ultimate goal of our job as pastors is to lead people to Jesus Christ and help others do the same. We cannot lead people to where we ourselves have not been. Anyone agree with that? We cannot lead people well to places of the heart we ourselves are not yet familiar with. God can use us amongst all those deficits that we have. But will you commit to always stay close to Jesus, abide in Jesus, to let him abide in you, and seek to draw, hit, draw from him so that you may effectively lead others to him? Will you commit to shepherd God's people here at Southside with integrity and kindness and passion and hope to lead gently, but to lead prayerfully this congregation into the life that God so wondrously and miraculously invites us to pursue as laid out for us in his word, as we've been reminded of today through Isaiah. Will you teach and preach from a prepared and passionate and humble place? Will you share the leadership of the church with committed and faithful lay leaders here and not lord your position over others? Will you pray for your church, asking the Holy Spirit to move in your midst? Will you commit to shepherd your own family and make it your mission that when you come home, Ashton and your two little girls are actually happy to see you. Will you commit to being a fountain and not a drain when you're at home with your family? Will you commit to pray that your wife will know that you love her more than you love your work and that she is always your most beloved parishioner here at Southside? Andrew, you've been called in your role as pastor to steward the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are prophetic acts of obedience and celebration instituted by the Lord himself in remembrance and hope of him. I love the way that you incorporate the Lord's Prayer already into your gatherings. On account of all that we are instructed in God's word, do you now, Andrew Wood, earnestly commit to diligently fulfill this call of God in all the strength and grace that he supplies? And if you do, I want to invite you to respond by saying, by God's grace, I do. By God's grace, I want to invite you to stand with us as a congregation. This is the second charge that I want to give to you this morning. To you as a church family, to a congregation, and to your elders who also serve here at Southside Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be 
a joy and not a burden. In calling Andrew to serve you as pastor, as a congregation, do you now commit to putting your confidence in him to lead along with your elders? Do you commit to willingly submit yourselves to their entrusted spiritual authority over you as those called to keep watch over you in the burden that is theirs in the call of God to minister? Do you commit to doing all you can to make Andrew's work and the work of your elders here at Southside a joy? And if that's your heart desire, then I'm going to ask you to all reply with one voice, aloud and with gusto, by saying, by God's grace, we will. Are you ready? Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to give Andrew the floor. Um, I've um, I've been through a few of these um, moments. these markers in the journey of of ministry, and uh, I was joking with my friend Mark this morning. Uh, the older you get, and the more of these kind of barriers you reach in 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 the calling to pastoral ministry, you you kind of look around and you and you wonder where everyone else is, and you feel like um, people drop off along the way, and. Uh, I don't know what um, has led to this point. I know the pieces that have been my responsibility and my role in stepping faithfully into a calling, but I don't know what what was different necessarily. What I do know is that um, I'm here today as a representative of the grace of God and uh, as a representative of... Um, of stumbling our way towards faithfulness in Christ. And uh, I also recognize today that there's a whole bunch of people in this room who have been along the journey with me through some of those major barriers. And that is, um, that's really special to me to be here today, not as a, um, with a title, receiving a, a title or a responsibility or a role, but being known wholly the journey that God has led me on, and uh, I'm really thankful for that. I uh, I just want to read something, I guess. First Peter chapter five. It says this. <clears throat> First Peter chapter five. It says to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I feel like I'm 32, not 52. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. 
This morning, a teenager who I only met a month and a half ago called me 55 and said, Pastor shouldn't be any younger than that. So, young Timothy over here. Um, I just feel like everything that Shane shared is, is, uh, is the aim. And this feels like a wedding ceremony, right? It kind of, and it's, I think it's supposed to. And so what I want to do is I want to just share some vows that you would at a wedding ceremony. But in sharing that, I want you to understand that I'm sharing it through the lens of somebody who is fumbling my way towards the things that I'm being asked to step into, the role and the responsibility and the call from God. And the invitation is to invite you to stumble your way towards some of these things too alongside me. So um, just in the form of some vows, I broke it up into a few different communities, starting broadly and getting narrowly. This is my vow to the community of Milton. I vow to be present in Milton, in the good and in the rough. I vow to mourn in pain and suffering with the city, and I vow to celebrate the good with this city. Not be against it, but to be for Milton. I vow to lead in the direction of equipping agents of positive change in the city, for the city of equipping families to be stronger so that our community can be stronger. My vow to the city is to build the kingdom of God here in Milton as it is in heaven. That's my commitment to the broader community who isn't all in this room right now but is on our street driving by. I vow to the church in Milton. I vow to pursue unity in the name of Jesus. I vow to celebrate the kingdom building efforts that we're all a part of in different ways. I vow to celebrate our differences without hesitating about highlighting them. I vow to listen broadly and thoughtfully to have a balanced approach from a diversity of perspectives. I vow to step into the mess. And I vow to um, see and treat the body of Christ, the broader body of Christ that goes far beyond these walls as um, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are heading in the same direction with the same call and the same mandate, as complicated as it gets. To Southside, I vow to discern God's call on our lives as a church family. It may be unique to other church families, but it's not different in its core essence. I vow to pursue Jesus and be formed by his presence. This last year has been a real gift to me and has revealed to me there's so much more room to grow. I vow to disciple together rather than alone. Fumble my way through as you fumble your way alongside me. I vow to equip for the ministry, like Pastor Shane shared with us, not to do the ministry. My commitment is not to do all the ministry, even though I'll get tired of you not, and I'll just do it anyway, and you'll get frustrated at me because you said, we do this together, you're doing it alone, and I'll say, you're right, and then we'll cry together. I vow to disciple all ages in this church, and to equip people to disciple of all ages. The beauty of this church is the, not just the cultural diversity, the, the age diversity here, and uh, sometimes it's easier to lead under you, and I am called to lead of head and above as well as 
under an age. So I promise that my commitment is to those who have gone before. I have a picture in my office of a tree with tree stumps. And uh, it's like a stump and then a new stump that was built on top of that, and a new one, and then there's a tree on the fourth one. And it's a beautiful picture to, um, to remind me daily that the kingdom work that I'm called to and that I'm saying yes to um, is on a f- firm foundation of saints who have gone before for thousands of years and hundreds of years in this town of Milton. And all that I'm able to accomplish is only on top of the foundation that's been laid before me by really key leaders in my life and mentors the last 15, 20 years. So I've had to lead us together. I've had to listen to people's needs, courageously step into the mess, and I've had to offer myself as well as my experience and gifts. To my family, Ashton, I've had to prioritize my relationship with you and the kids. I've had to serve with balance and stumble my way into that. And I've had a grown love for you and our family. To King Jesus, I've had to serve you, King Jesus, faithfully. If you could close your eyes with me, actually. Jesus, I've had to serve you faithfully as best I can. I've had to follow your example, not set my own. King Jesus, I've had to get out of the way. I've had to give my burdens and blessings over to you as a living sacrifice because Jesus is the king. Lord, I am willing. Please strip away the parts of me that rely on this role and responsibility for my identity and emotional well-being and put in place peace and love and security only found in you. Lord Jesus, I want to receive the crown of glory in this life. And as I start today, I have a finish line in mind. Holy Spirit of God, help me both start and finish well, being unwavering in the commitment to serve you. And King Jesus, help me see the people in this room and the people in this community as equally loved by you, gifted from you, called by you, in different ways to build your kingdom in the places that they possess and that they stand, that they have influence. Help me, Lord, be a conduit of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, and your calling on their lives. And help me put everybody in the direction of you, King Jesus. What a gift of grace and mercy it's been to lead in this kind of capacity and what it will be, Lord. And I'm also weary of the toll that it can take. And Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you here in this space to be present with this body, to be present with my family, to form us, to change us, to shift us in the direction of your love and your goodness and your holiness so that we can accomplish the task at hand, which is to become like you in order to represent you to this city, to this town, to our community, to bring the knowledge of the king and his kingdom that's available to all. Everywhere we go.
In the name of Jesus, we say all the things that we say and do the things that we do this morning. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Okay, we're going to pray and together for Andrew and Ashton alongside with him. So if Ashton could come up and uh, Ian and our elders here and anyone else, Ian, you think should be here. Mark is here as uh, one of Andrew's mentors. Can we all stand together and just gather around Andrew here at the front for those of us who are serving in an elder capacity, lay hands on them. And I wish we could all be here together, all just, you know, charge the front here, but that would be just a little bit difficult logistically. Um, but I'm going to ask you to step out and do something. I'm not sure if you're used to it or not, but, um, you know, oftentimes you see the laying on of hands throughout the scriptures as people are prayed for. It's, it's a physical gesture and picture of the anointing of God's presence we are asking to be upon those we are praying for that God would absolutely get, that you get them. And uh, so I want to invite you to extend an arm out to them right now as we pray, as though you could be here physically and, and do it right in person here. And Mark, uh, would you lead us in, in prayer for this beautiful couple? Lord, I just uh, say thank you for for Andrew and for Ashton, God, I think back uh, uh, just years of, of friendship and, and seeing their relationship start and the ways that you've brought them together, the ways that you've gifted them, the ways that you've united them and prepared them and equipped them. Uh, God, what a wonderful reminder this morning is of the way that you form us, you call us to yourself, and, and Lord, just the, the people you've put in their lives, the situations, the um, different bodies of believers, their their families, and, and Lord, just all the ways that you have been faithful and you have called them and you have brought them to this moment. And Lord, even to see this moment in the history of Southside and, and Lord, the, the faithful families and men and women that have gone before. And God, we, we just say thank you. And Lord, we, we love Andrew and Ashton. And God, we see your hand on them. We see their impact. We see uh, your your character in them. And God, it's it's just so neat to uh, to be here this morning and to to worship and to celebrate for all that you are doing and all that you will do, and to see uh, the baton being passed. And so, God, we we just continue to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for. Um, the words that were spoken. Thank you for the, the promises and, and vows that were stated and made. And God, we, we know um, that, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and Lord, you, um, you draw us to yourself. And so we, we know that um, even our best attempts and our best vows, Lord, we, we fall short in some way. And so I pray that you will be in the margins of those words and that you will uh, uplift them and that your grace and mercy and, and faithfulness uh, will fill in those gaps. But God, we, we ask just that you, um, mornings and, and evenings and conversations and moments, Lord, will just um, 
be with Andrew and Ashton. Lord, help them to keep their eyes on you as the author and perfecter. Help them to not be distracted or, or drawn away or dragged down by other things, Lord, but just simply to gaze upon you, uh, to, to look at your glory and to be inspired by your glory and want their friends and their community, people they love and the church they love to see your glory. And so, God, we just ask a blessing over them. We, uh, we commit them today, and, and we're excited about this, this milestone. And so we just celebrate that, and we say thank you, Jesus, for, for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom and a part of your work, Lord. And now, Father, in the name of your Son, we commission Andrew and this church family to your work in this new chapter here at Southside Community Church. We say, kingdom of God, come. Let your will be done. Let there be the, the cause of the saving of many lives, Lord Jesus, in this city. Would there be a great multiplication and movement released, Lord, for, through this beautiful church family that you have brought together? You are the head of the body. You are our great shepherd. But Father, today we just thank you for calling Andrew to serve you in this capacity as your under-shepherd here. And so we bless him. Holy Spirit, will you enable him to fulfill the heartfelt vows that uh, you have led him to declaring today? All for your glory and in all your grace, God. Would you give Andrew and Ashton along with him all they need to be who you've called them to be as you set them apart for such a time as this? Also, Lord, we're just asking that you'd be with the elders. Lord, freshly anoint them with your spirit. Grant them the wisdom of heaven for this season. Lord, would you download inspiration and your good plans and purposes. And would you open the doors with favor, Lord, so that your word would go forward and people's lives would be changed and you would be known in this city like never before. So we just thank you for what's coming in your good plans as we ask you to freshly anoint this body with your spirit in the truth of your word and for the sake of your name. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we all said, amen. 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 I'm going to learn to talk without whining. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I am um, I stand here today feeling like I stand on the shoulders of giants. Not just in Milton, not just in the Alliance, not just with this church, but the body of Christ in Canada and the churches that I've been a part of and the teams I've led with and, and then the teams that they're standing on the shoulders of. I really believe that and um, I really believe that the next 30 years, because I'm well aware your students are, already don't really think I'm cool and that's not going to last very long, um, the ones that do. Um, I'm very aware that, that we've, we've got a short time frame here to set a new foundation for the kingdom of God here in Milton and for the generations to come. And the way that we're running at that as a church and the thing that we're aiming at is nothing special, is nothing new, it's nothing fancy. It's just relearning how to actually be comfortable in the presence of God and spending time with God through the ancient spiritual practices and disciplines, building routines and rhythms in our life that put us in front of God and will have us allow us to hear the voice of God to change us, to form us into his likeness so that we could properly do the things that he's called us to. And that's who we are as a church, as we're heading as a church and as a body. 
And today, I just think about 30 years from now, if we do that, and we take that seriously. Yeah, we don't have a whole lot of things to worry about in this community. God will move in incredible ways.